Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. AKA Radio Red in the house. Boy, what a night this started out. We had some confusion on Zoom. We had some confusion on getting us streaming live. I'm looking at Facebook and I'm frozen looking just like this. Let me refresh the Facebook page here. This is Read My Lips Radio. Sometimes you just have to be darn creative. I'm going to click the go button and there we are. Sometimes you have to be creative to get a radio show started. I want to say that my good friend and engineer extraordinaire Aaron Aaron Keller is engineering for us tonight. We are live on Facebook. Yes, wave hello to Facebook, please. Bob, look up and wave. There's Allison. There's Charles. What a good-looking group I have. We're here because we're creative. I I had a guest recently, I have to tell the three of you, who was preparing his deliverables for me, and he wrote to me and said, Nobody ever called me a creative before. I didn't know I was a creative person. What? I don't know what he, I don't remember who he was or how he does. I I, I talked about 150 people a year, Bob. But he said, thank you for pointing out that I'm I'm a creative person. So he identified himself as creative, and I hope that was a good thing for him. So here we are live. Whoa, happy to be here live. To my guests, I want you to follow my lead. On the count of three, you're going to join me. And Allison knows what's coming. On the count of three, you're going to say hello. O-L-L-L. Charles, are you ready for this? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Hello. L-L-L-L. That was pretty good. L-L-L is lovely, lanky. Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She's still living in Whitestone, New York. And I tried to get, I, I had a fake GoFundMe and I'm trying to move her to London. So it's L-L-L, lovely, lanky, Laura Legs, our most loyal listener in London. But it hasn't happened. But you know what? I'm glad because if you haven't heard the weather report, this week in London is going to be, I know, 105 degrees Fahrenheit. That is above the level that the roads can stand. Some of the buildings, they're telling people stay home. It's going to be an emergency. Do not leave your house. They don't have air conditioning there. I have, I, I have, a, I have a friend in Scotland. He was visiting me here in Southern California, and it was 100 and. Uh, it's right about 100 degrees. He goes, Bob, I'm melting, I'm melting, I'm melting. <laughs> well, London is going to be melting this week. So there. So lovely, lanky Laura Legs, we don't want you to move to London right now because we don't want you to melt. Right, Allison? So there we go. So this is the 18th of July. Thank goodness. I can't believe we're past the first half of the year. We're into July. If you're in business, this is third quarter, right, Charles? And oh, yeah. it's moving along very, very quickly. <laughs> Today is the 199th day of 2022 in the Gregorian calendar calendar and I always say thank you to Greg, Gregor, Greggy, whatever his mommy called him. We're still Bob likes that. We're still using his calendar. There are 166 days left in the year. And I'll tell you why I tell that every week. It's the 29th Monday and nobody gives a you know what about that except me. I love my Mondays because I love Read My Lips Radio. 166 days means Allison, Charles, Bob, if you're planning a big celebration for New Year's Eve because you got through this year and look, we're here and it's past the halfway point. Yes. And you want to make some whiskey in the backyard or you want to start making Kahlua in the sink in the garage or you want to start brewing something or you want to go to an online wine store and get something really special like champagne or something else. 
start thinking about what you want to order or brew now because we're I make rock and rye sugar. There you go. We're <laughs> half, we're halfway through the year and we want to make sure you have a good New Year's Eve celebration. So let me introduce very briefly who my guests are and then I'm going to ask each of you. And Bob, you're new to the show. Well, the other two I met at the Publicity Summit. Bob, shout out to Mickey Mickelson. PR agent Mickey, extraordinaire, Mickey. Mickey, Mickey. And we have a three-minute rule on this show. No lecturing. It's not a one-on-one interview. We're just going to be talking a three-minute soundbite. So my audience around the world gets to hear a lot of voices, a lot of opinions, and we're talking about creativity. So first up, in a moment, you'll be meeting Allison Hong. Merrill, Allison, wave hello. I think they all can figure out who you are in the panel. She's a first-generation Taiwanese immigrant and the author of the multi-award-winning memoir, 99 Fire Hoops, and she has it there on the screen with her if you're watching us on Facebook. Allison, delighted to meet you. I understand you've already done four interviews through the Publicity Summit. Like my people say, mazel tov. That means congratulations. We also have Charles Chadwick with us. Charles learned a trade before he learned earned two college degrees. Now, that's an interesting way to approach life and getting started as an adult. And he's going to talk about that. He's now an author, and he teaches people how to cut their college costs by 40%. All I can say, Charles, is, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, people need that. Charles, are you going to smile for me? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a smile. I need to smile. I work off the smile. Allison knows. And he's going to talk about the value of work experience. This is an interesting combination. We're going to talk about that. Charles, thank you for being. Wave hello, wave hello, wave hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure, pleasure. And Bob Brill, our last-minute joiner to the show. He's an author. He's a short film and documentary producer. He's a news anchor. He's a reporter at L.A.'s all-news radio station. He's a former national correspondent and L.A.-based bureau chief for UPI Radio Network, and he's now a good friend of mine. Bob Rillwave, hello. There you are. So we're calling this episode, Read My Lips, Practical Creativity, because you're all talking about not only practicing, which is the verb from practical, but creativity in everyday life. We're not lecturing. We're not telling anybody what to do. It's just hopefully a little bit of inspiration about how we're all creative. And I like to say when I go to the publicity summit, people say, oh, I'm not a singer. I'm not a dancer. I'm not a designer. That doesn't mean you're not creative, but it also isn't on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you have cornflakes. And on Tuesday and Thursday, you have shredded wheat. That's not creative. That's just different breakfast choices. So we're talking about putting together a life. We don't know. None of us come with a handbook, right, Charles? We're not born with a handbook. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. We figure it out. And the question is, how do you create? So to me, Everybody's creative. There we go. So let's go around the table. Allison, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. You're not nervous, are you, dear? Of course I am. (laughs) See, that's where the energy comes from. I had a piano teacher tell me once if I was nervous when I gave a piano recital when I was about 10 years old, she said, the nerves work for you. That's where the energy comes from. That means you care. If you're not a little nervous, you're, well, it's okay. I'll do it. It'll be fine. I don't care either way. The nerves work for you. Allison, full screen speaker view, three minutes. Who are you? Tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us about your book. And tell us a little bit about what creativity means to you. Allison, welcome. Thank you so much, Red. My name is Allison Hong Merrill. And as you introduced me earlier, I'm a Taiwanese immigrant. I came to the U.S. when I was 22 years old. And that means uh, as an, I was an adult. And I had school English at the time, but it wasn't enough to help me to ask for directions on the street or to open up a bank account. And so with that very broken English, I went to college 
And I have this is back in 1995, and I have this cassette uh, recorder that I take to I would take with me to school, and I will record every single classes, and then every night I went home, I will listen to the tape over and over again, including PE class. Okay, I will listen to. PE class recording to help me to do my homework. And so through this process, I eventually was able to learn English enough to get um, a master's degree in writing from Vermont College of Fine Arts. And creativity to me is, it's very interesting. I feel like creativity comes to me when I'm not ready. You know, or tap me on the back or on the shoulder and say, hey, come follow me. I'll take you to someplace really magical and fun. And I say, no, 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 I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then, and then creativity says, no, 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 you are. Come with yes. me. And so that's the process. That's what creativity feels to me. I like that. I've never heard that approach. I've never heard that response or reaction. I once decided I wanted to write a romantic comedy play, Allison and everybody. And I went on the web, where else would you go? Into the internet and I downloaded what was a structure for writing a play. Charles and it told me how to set up a scene and the what the physical scene was, the location and how to describe my characters and the setting, the timeline and all that. And then how what font to use and what size type to use and I sat down one night and I said I'm just going to write a play and I started at one in the morning and wrote until four three days later I had a half hour comedy and I produced it for my television show on Long Island in New York with community actors but I, I told this to some novelists who were on one of my other radio shows recently and they said we're jealous you wrote a whole play in 12 hours because it was it was four nights and three hours a night but Allison you're right it just comes to you and the characters spoke to me I didn't say oh what is she saying what is it just they just jumped off of my keyboard and they jumped out, and I read, I, I gave somebody the script to read, and I used to do some cold, cold, cold comedy, cold reading salons. I'd invite people to come and pick up a script and spend five minutes and then just read it for the group in whatever language, whatever, whatever uh, not a language, but a dialect or an accent and mood that they, where the character spoke to them. And somebody picked up my play script. I was laughing hysterically. I said, who wrote that? And they said, it's yours. <laughs> I really enjoyed my characters because they weren't me putting words. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Thank you so much. Charles, you are ready to tell us all about yourself. I'm putting you on speaker view. Please regale us. Who is Charles Chadwick? Welcome. Thanks for having me again. Uh, just to sum it up, my first name is Charles. And just hearing you keep using the word created, creativity, I would say the C in Charles stands for creativity. Ooh, good. All my life, been a big dreamer. I also know you're big on horoscopes. So, hey, I'm a Scorpio, but I'm at the Phoenix Eagle stage. So I burned from the ashes and that was creative. But uh, a little bit about me, uh, have two college degrees, paid all my loans back and I'm debt free. But over this pandemic, as I reflect over being employed, I'm more successful with the set of skills that I learned for free in the construction. My father had a plumbing business. I won't say that I was forced to learn it, but he put it in front of me and I began to learn that. And a couple of years after high school, I decided, hey, I want to go to college. I was preached to go to college by all the high school teachers, go to college. I went to college and after I graduated, I wanted to be a news reporter after getting no hits, 
I said, let me go back home, you know, to my hometown. I helped my dad do plumbing again. And now I've traveled all around the world in the construction and security sector. And I'm, I came to the conclusion or from my pathway of life, you can't go wrong with a trade. If you want to get paid, you know, look at the trade industry. And the two books behind me, they represent such critical areas. You know, I talk about the college experience. If anybody who wants to go to college, I talk about how I cut my costs by 40 percent. And the yellow book, uh, it was just featured in Reader's Digest this year. I talk about how experience is priceless. And I talk about what the trade industry's done for me. And if you have skills and, you know, you have experience, guess what? You can survive anything, maybe even the pandemic, if you have experience in all walks of life. So well said. So articulate. Thank you very much. I'm I'm impressed with both of you, and I'm ready to be impressed. Bob, you're coming up next. Get ready. Just a second. Uh, Charles, thank you for that. And to those who are listening to us on Voice America Empowerment and not watching us on Facebook, the yellow book he's describing is Chadwick's I can't read it. Go ahead. What's the title? What's the title? Chad- Chadwick's Cultivated Circumstances. Experience is sometimes priceless. Thank you. I, it's a little blurry for me looking at the screenshot. And the other one is Chadwick's College Checklist. Yes. Very important. Experience is an interesting thing. And it always comes down to, I found, Charles and everybody, do you get the experience in order to get the first job? Or is the first job going to give the experience? And other will say, now I'll hire you because you have the experience. So the question is, which trade do you get your experience in? And it's, it's just an interesting process. I went to a, a four-year college broken up between two colleges and got a bachelor's degree, magna cum laude in psychology many, many decades ago. And I decided I needed to work. I was a young divorcee, two children to support, husband not able to support. And I wrote to my parents, I was in Oregon, and I wrote to my parents in New York, I said, what can I do? And they sent me a stack of brochures. Now, this was, well, some of you weren't born then, sorry. And Bob was probably born then. And um, they sent me a stack of brochures. It was like radiology technician. My dad was a radiologist at MD. And it was um, lab tech. And it was. And then one said computer programming. And I said, what's that? This was long ago. What's that? And my friends told me there was a community college, two bus rides away. I didn't have a car, Charles. I took the bus. I went there and I said, I have a bachelor's degree. I want to take computer programming. They said, the classes are already full, but here's the trick. The, the registrar liked me, Allison, and she whispered, here's the trick, she said. Come every day for the next two weeks, twice a week, and stand or sit in the back of the room and wait. Within two weeks, most of the people will drop out because they don't know what programming is and they're not built for it. And we will have a place for you. And I went for those two weeks and waited. And by the third week, she called me and said, we've got a spot for you. You're in the class. I took two years and they hired me right out to run a statewide community college system with a boss who left in two years and I was running the whole system. So I got my first job in my late 20s with two associate's degrees from a community college. But I had the experience, Charles, of my bachelor's degree and they applied my credits they applied my credit. So I didn't have to take quite as much. Remember, I was a young mom, divorced, two kids, trying to dance and try to take my kids to swimming lessons and trying to sell Mary Kay on the side. So Mary I was Kay. getting all, oh no, all of, and I was the disco queen of Eugene, Oregon for a while, trying to do everything I wanted to do. I know I was, Charles, I, Bob, I was, I was, 
at Disco Hawaii, we came in third place. It was amazing. Unbelievable. Lifts, spins. I was about 92 pounds then, and anybody could lift me and spin me. It was wonderful. Anyway, the experience, in my case, of having the first college degree and having been, and then going to a community college and saying, I want to apply these credits, and I, I want to do this in two years. I got two degrees, 4.0 GPA, and they hired me right out of those two years, which started my career. And now people tell me, Charles... I just found out last year that uh-huh. I'm considered an early woman in tech. I didn't know I was an early woman in anything. I just thought I was divorced. You needed a job. Anyway, it's amazing how life experience and work experience yes. and what you do. And here I am, radio broadcaster with people hearing me all over the world. Who knew? Bob Brill, you've been so patient. Bob, I'm oh. putting you on speaker <laughs> view. Would you please shout out again to Mickey Mickey, Mickey Mickelson. For- Mickey Mickelson is the greatest. He really is. He is. Uh, he, he, sends he, me, he, he, he sends me he so many guests. He works differently than any other publicist out there, and it's the way that authors and others who need a publicist and can afford a good publicist. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I have friends who are publicists. I can't afford them. You know, I, I can't do that. You know, but the way Mickey works, it is just incredible, and he's so good. And what he does. and I've uh, heard that. He know, sent me all three guests last week and three guests the week before. <laughs> so, Bob, I'm putting you on speaker view. We want to know who is Bob Brill. Talk to me. Well, you know, um, I've been in radio for 50 years uh, this year. Uh, how, am I, how, am I do, how am I doing? You're not doing bad. I mean, you're doing actually very good. Okay. <laughs> oh, gee, you're, thanks. you're entertaining. You're good. You know, what can I tell you? Your red hair stands out. So Thank you, darling. Okay. And I love red hair. But that's another story. Um, now, I, I started in radio. I got my first job um, March 21st of 1972. I just celebrated uh, 50 years uh, uh, this past March. And on one of my podcasts called Interesting People with Bob Brill, I went back and I sat for 31 days and just told interesting stories about what happened with my life on the radio. And it, it was just, I had to write them all down. I had to whittle them down to uh, 30 and 31 days and uh, events I covered in my in my news career with Ronald Reagan and, and you know, all, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, and anyway, but, you know, I guess my creativity really started um, in the 60s. I'm a child of the 50s and 60s. And uh, basically, I was a child of the golden age of television. I watched Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock every week during the 60s, early 60s to about 68, 69, television. Mm-hmm. And I, I was fortunate. I was the only child left at home. I was the oops kid, born 12 years after my brother and 11 after my sister. Oops. And so, you know, I was I had a, a den and I had a, a TV room and it, we had a four-bedroom house. So, you know, in Southern California. So I had this room all to myself and it was mine. It was my sports room. It was my TV room. It was everything. And so I would sit there on my couch and watch TV. And I, what I learned about history outside of from books, I learned a lot from TV. And I guess a few years ago, I came up with a saying that is sort of how I live my life. You're talking about experience, and experience is the key that, you know, mm-hmm. my mind is be a student of history, not a victim of it. Now, understand history so we don't repeat it like is happening now and again and again and again. You know, people always say, don't, you know, you have to know history so you don't repeat it. Well, guess what? We keep repeating it, you know, politically, globally, you know, whatever uh, we are repeating things. And but, you know, if you're a student of history, you'll learn from it and you won't be that victim 
of the new history that, that's coming. Um, but I didn't go to college. I had a couple of classes. That was about it. Um, but uh, for me, I've written uh, Tattoo Murder is my 13th book. Uh, I've produced uh, and written four short um, short uh, films. Uh, we just completed, and it's out on Pr Amazon Prime now, uh, uh, an hour-long documentary uh, with my partner. Uh, it's called The Shaken, The Great Somar Earthquake. I was a senior at Somar High School when the 1971 earthquake hit. And so we went back and we interviewed a lot of people that I know who are still around. And and uh, we, the second half, we told what could happen or what will happen if there's another such earthquake in on the southern San Andreas Fault. And there's some amazing numbers that, um, you know, uh, well, you can check it out. It's on Amazon Prime and on some other uh, services. Uh, and uh, I've written about 20 pilots and screenplays. Uh, we are right now, we just finished and I'm sitting here editing before uh, uh, we came on. Uh, we decided to take one of my my passion script, uh, which is uh, based on one of my books, and it was my first book, and I will pop up the cover of that one for you at some point yes. here to show you that. Okay. Uh, it's called uh, Fan Letters to a Stripper, a Paddy Wagon Tale. And um, I wrote a screenplay on that. I actually own the rights to uh, Paddy Wagon, who was a burlesque queen in the 50s, and the 40s, 50s, and 60s, actually, who married a major league baseball player by the name of Don Rudolph, who actually, as it turns out, and I didn't know till they were dead, kind of lived real close to my neighborhood while I was growing up in Southern huh. California. And there were some other coincidences. Um, but uh, I did, decided that we we're going to take that film script and turn it into a podcast. And so last Monday, we had uh, 15 of our 25 actors in studio. We did all the recording, and I'm editing that now. And it's going to be an episodic podcast. It should be out in September uh, it'll be called Major League Stripper with a subtitle, which we haven't decided on yet. But it's a tremendous love story. It's, there's a lot of Hollywood in it. I mean, I had to create some stuff, but um, it's a great story. But anyway, so that's one of the things I'm doing, too. And one of the things I hope to do more of, because I think that podcasting uh, films, feature film scripts, is a wave of the future. We're seeing more and more of it now. And it's a whole lot less expensive than shooting a film. Yep. And hopefully that if you draw enough attention with that podcast, you'll find a producer that wants to spend millions to make that film. Thank you very much, Bob. Interesting. I have a question for you. Do you yeah. sleep? Do you sleep? <laughs> you know, not very often. Uh, <laughs> my wife asked me the same thing because I do work uh, four days a week at KNX, All News Radio in Los Angeles. And I do two overnights and I do two weekend evenings. So um, what's today? Today's Mon Monday's my day off. Um, oh, good. Glad yeah, we caught you and, on a day off. Yeah, so uh, it's a day I usually um, try to catch up on life. But no, I don't sleep very much. <laughs> I, I don't either. And I, I think a lot of people who have this creative... And Charles, do you do you get a lot... I'm not getting personal here, but do you, is sleep very important to you? And I'm not asking for value judgment, but is sleep something that you do a lot of? Or is it something that when you're in your creative mode, you're you're really primed to work more? What do you think? For me, um, I have ADHD and the hyperintensity, it actually works in my advantage. So I'm like, a, I'm not comparing myself to an animal, but to describe my symptoms, 
I'm a dog with a bone. So as long as that bone is in front of me, uh, I don't stop. And a good friend told me we sleep when we all die so we can live, you know, be alive. You sleep when you transition. Exactly. That's a famous saying. Yeah, we'll, we'll sleep when we die. Yes. Thank you very much. Allison, what about you? Is sleep figuring in your creative life? I don't sleep. Well, I actually, okay, you're going to think I lie, but I, I'm not lying. I started to become an insomniac when I was four because I had anxiety over death because nobody explained the concept of death to me. Mm. And I, I, when I was four, I attended a funeral and I watched what the living do to the dead. And that traumatized me so much that I couldn't sleep at night. And so from then till now, I always struggle with sleeping. Now, when I cannot sleep, it's not because I worry about death. <laughs> because Good. I worry about, worry about all, you know, other things. Okay. But to answer your question, I don't, don't sleep very well. Yeah, I, I, I have a bad habit. Does anybody here play Wordle? The, the New York Times word game? It's, it's delightful because there are no clues. It's five letters. You have no idea what you're guessing. And, and it tells you right away if any of the letters are in it, if they are, if they're in the wrong or right position. It's either yellow or green or gray. And I have a friend in Florida who I knew in New York, and she and I, we don't compete, but we share the results. So I try to wait, stay up till midnight, and I play the Wordle. And... Yeah. I sent, and then it just says share, and a little graph pops up, and you can t- paste it into an email or, or a text message, and I'll, it'll say, you know, you got three out of six, on, you got on the third out of six tries, only gives you six tries, or four. I'm running pretty strong on getting it mostly on four letter, on the fourth try. You only get six, as I said. So I try to stay up till past midnight, and then I'm so wide awake that I've just and I, my my guilty pleasure that Bob you'll get a kick out of this is watching French detective shows on TV. Oh yeah, <laughs> I used to speak fluent French and now I enjoy hearing the French and watching the English subtitles. So <laughs> I'm running like crazy through uh, Balthazar and Sharif and Candice Renoir and the Paris murders and ah I'm having the blast learning new French phrases and I have a I, I collaborate on some some art and music videos now with a man in France so. I'm trying to show off to him that I'm getting my French, my French skills. Back. Wait, so, uh, yeah. The, the, what's big now is uh, we got hooked on a few of them, uh, the uh, the Korean dramas, and there, there's one called uh, Crash Landed on You, which is just amazingly. It's like three seasons or four seasons, but it's uh, one of the um, uh, female anchors at work turned turned us on to it. It was like now everybody in my family's hooked on Korean dramas. <laughs> Well, I'll have to try that. I'm, I'm still hooked on the French, and I haven't finished running through what I've got. But anyway, thank you for that. Let's go to, you each sent me a quote from a movie or a TV fictional character or a song lyric, and you're going to tell me how it reminds you of or inspires you to think about creativity. Alice Hong Merrill, I'm looking. This was great. <laughs> Bob, you're going to love this one. She found a quote from Elaine Bennis, played by the wonderful, iconic, fabulous Julia Louis-Dreyfus, of course. Seinfeld, the episode March 4th, 1992, The Good Samaritan, season three, episode 19. And George said this, Andy Lane said it, both of them in the scene I found, Allison. George says... I am speechless, speechless. I have no speech. And Elaine says, I am speechless. I am without speech. So there we go. So what does that, how does that, <laughs> you, got, you got Charles to smile. That was, that's a good, Allison, gold star for that one. So tell yes. us, how did you find this particular quote in so many years of Seinfeld dialogue? And what does it mean to you for creativity? Allison, go ahead. Thank you, Red. Um, so obviously this quote, this 
well, I'm speechless, I'm without speech, indicates the speaker's shock and surprise and witness and experiencing an unexpected situation. And that's how creativity feels to me, because like I said earlier, creativity feels like this friend that came and pat me on the shoulder and said, come follow me. I, I'm going to take you to a magical, fun place. And it's going to be, you know, wonderful. Come with me. But I'm like, no, I'm in the middle of raising children. I don't have time. No, I can't do that because my English is bad. No, I can write a book. Are you kidding me? I can't even like, you know what I'm saying? Like, go and open a bank account on my own. And so I kept saying, no, 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 I'm ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And so this invitation from creativity to go and write a book to me is like this unexpected invitation that came when I wasn't ready. And so when it came, I was shocked and surprised and in a way flattered that creativity will come and invite me. It feels like a calling that I've been called to create, right? And so that's all of those emotions mixed together as one big surprise. I'm speechless. I'm without well, speech. I will say something to you, young lady. I, Bob, I can call her young lady, right? Yeah, young, la- sure. young lady. Well, you we, can, I can. Oh, yeah, no, we, 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 can, we can call her young lady. I'm talking about the year you graduated from high school and the year I graduated high school, which was pretty close. So, okay, Allison, for somebody who didn't know English, you are so beautifully articulate and expressive. You both agree? You have a beautiful, nobody has ever described creativity to me as an invitation that taps you on the shoulder and invites you in. I do this every week. I I do about 50 shows a year on this series. I have many other radio series and nobody has ever described it quite that way. So I thank thank you you for that. I know. I thank you. Oh, I thank you. No, we'll just forget about Charles and Bob. We'll just sit here and say thank you. We all thank you. We all thank. See, see how gracious he is. Don't don't hurt your arm there. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Charles, Charles Chadwick. I'm looking at your quote. One of my favorites. I use a lot of my guests on my business radio shows. Uh, Bob, I have, 55 radio series I've started in the past 11 years, just so you know, for some of the biggest companies in the world. And I do business roundtable thought leadership. And they all have the three-minute rule like this show, and they all send me a quote from a movie or a song or a TV show to back into the business topic. So this is my style. So Charles Chadwick has picked one of the favorite quotes that comes up a lot on my business shows because it applies to everything. The quote is from Colonel Nathan R. Jessup. USMC played by the one, the only Jack Nicholson. We all know that. A Few Good Men, 1992 American legal drama film based on Aaron Sorkin. Talk about a a prolific writer. Aaron Sorkin's 1989 play of the same name. And uh, it's a five-word quote. You can't handle the truth. Charles Chadwick, you're on full screen. Tell me, what does this have to do with creativity? Go ahead. The, The truth is whatever we decide to create. And, you know, uh, if an extraterrestrial land on this earth, I was told we're the only things that exist. So if that was to come down, a lot of people couldn't handle that truth. And that shakes maybe the foundation of what we've all been talking about. So for me, I love that quote, because can we handle the truth and creativity? If somebody defines or they bring a new truth in this life, what does that do? It causes our brains to stop and you might have to erase, hit an erase button 
and accept this new truth. But I love that scene because he was really hitting at the core of the Marine Corps that, hey, we got to build men strong up. We can't have no weak links. You can't handle the truth. Um, but for me, that's what truth, that scene is so powerful in our everyday lives with creativity. Because if somebody creates something, you know, I never thought of an electric car and they're here. They are here. And somebody had to create that. And the truth is, with the Jetsons cartoon, they were flying. Maybe yes. we're going to be flying in saucers. Who knows? But that's why I like that scene. Can we handle the truth? Thank you. R- really good point, because the world is changing and moving, and changes are constant, and it's it's not a surprise anymore. The surprise is how much change and in what direction, but the fact of change is just what we live in. People talk about the new normal post-pandemic. I call it the new reality, whatever it is, the day of the week, day of the month, minute of the hour. It's the new reality at that moment in time, because there is no normal anymore. Change is just the normal. Thank you, Charles. That was very articulate, very well done. I appreciate that. Love the quote. Okay. Bob Brill, this is an interesting one. It's a movie clip. I I found a slightly different variation from you. I watched the clip. John Mm. Fane, played by Richard Boone. Oh, my goodness. To Big Jake, played by Jake McCandles, played by John Wayne. Duke, Duke, Duke. Not the Duke of Earl. John Wayne, the Duke. 1971 American Technicolor Western film starring Wayne, Richard Boone, and Maureen O'Hara. Talk about red hair. got it, Red. And the film was Big Jake. And here's the full clip for the whole thing. I'm going to read the whole whole line for you in addition to what you sent, Bob. So it's, and now you understand. Anything goes wrong, anything at all. Your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. It won't matter. I'm going to blow your head off. No matter what else happens, no matter who gets killed, I'm going to blow your head off. And the quote you sent is, is, I couldn't find that one, but it's a permutation. Your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. The boy dies. Right. It's in that, it's in that same sequence there. Uh, actually, because, uh, right before that, uh, Richard Boone looks at John, as John Fane looks at John. Um, they've kid, they basically kidnapped John Wayne's grandson. And they're holding him for ransom. And John Wayne and his sons are going off to try to get him. And basically, uh, he says, I just saw a look in your eye. That something might, you may have be thinking something else. And I don't want to see that because no matter what, you know about the the rifle up on top of the hill. It's not as messy as a machete at three feet, but anything goes wrong. Your fault, my fault, that boy dies. And that, that's, that's, that's the other, because it, and the thing about it is it's used like three times, the basic, the same lines in that film. And one of the things that, that speaks to creativity for me is, number one, if you don't create, the boy dies. The story dies. And you have to keep creating. But the other thing is, the fact that it happens so many times in this film, there's nothing new under the sun. We're not going to create anything new. We're just going to create a different version of what was already there. And so it doesn't matter if it's your fault or my fault or somebody else's fault. If the, if the creativity is going to be there and we're always going to be creating something new from something old, you know, we've heard the saying, you know, everything old is new again. It's true. It is. Uh, you know, there's a couple of hundred million people in the world or a couple of billion people in the world. Is everything going to be new? No, of course not. Because everybody's going to pull off those older things and, you know, movie quotes there, they can be used over and over, twisted a little bit, you know. Um, you know, I, I hate the phrase, um, good writers write 
great writers steal. Okay. But that happens. It does happen. And the thing about this particular quote is if you don't keep creating and reinventing everything that is in the world, in the story that you're writing, the story dies. Thank you. Interesting. And hi, Charles, you're back. We're so happy you dropped out. And I didn't even see you come back in. I didn't have to readmit you. Just you have magical powers, sir, because you came back into Zoom. You were gone and you're here and I didn't even have to click accept again. Yeah, I I apologize. No, 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 no apologies at all. I'm just trying to say that usually it says, will you admit him? And I have to admit you. I didn't have to admit you just showed up. You have a golden key to my Zoom room here. I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of a lot of power there. A lot of a lot of yeah, a lot of strength there, Charles. Thank you. What I want to say, Bob, one of my favorite French expressions, going back to French, is plus ça change, plus à la même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Exactly. It's been one of my phrases for a long time. Let's do some famous birthdays. Let's do, and by the way, Charles, Aaron was going to call you and get you on the phone. We weren't going to let you not be on the rest of the show, just so you know. That's why I ask for phone numbers, just in case. So today, let's see, today in music history, this is interesting for all of you. In 1980, on this day, Billy Joel's Glass Houses album topped the U.S. charts. And the song featured on the album was, It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. I promise not to sing on the show, but sometimes I can't help it. Seal, 1994, Kiss from a Rose was released by Seal. It was the Grammy record and song of the year. In 2008, Billy Joel again performed last of two concerts. You might remember this, Bob Rill, the last play at Shea with guests Roger Daltrey, Tony Bennett, Garth Brooks, Paul McCartney. I do. I do. It was the final concert before they demolished the Flushing Meadows Queens baseball stadium at Shea. So Billy Joel. We didn't light the fire. We didn't light the fire. Absolutely. (laughs) Don't make me sing, please. I'll ruin the show. In 1969, on this day, the Beatles recorded Oh, Darling and Octopus Garden. In 1991, the first Lollapalooza Music Festival was held across North America. In 1992, Billy Ray Cyrus's number hit, number one hit, achy breaky hard, hit wow. the Billboard Hot 100. And in 2014, you're going to love this one. Charles, I think you're going to like this one. Shakira was the first oh, yeah. person to get 100 million likes on Facebook. Wow. That's a wow. That is a damn wow. Yes, absolutely. I have a couple of famous birthdays. Alicia Bridges. Does anybody remember? I love the nightlife. I like to boogie. Allison saying, who? What? Charles, you ever heard of Alicia Bridges? Hey, Alicia Bridges was great when in her time. She was. Well, she's 74 today. So let's give her. Really? Yeah, she was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm in Durham. She's almost uh, as old as Blonder. There you go. Tre- Trevor Horn, the British rock music- musician and from the Buggles, video killed the music, the radio star, born today. Richard Branson, Virgin oh, Atlantic. He Happy birthday. They just call him an entrepreneur like, hello, he hasn't changed the world. Diana Williams, TV journalist, born today. She's 64. Wendy Williams. You all know Wendy Williams, the TV oh, yeah. host. She's over forever. the top. 58 years old. Vin Diesel, the actor, Fast and Furious. He's 55. I'm going down here. Kristen Bell, TV actress. Isn't she cute? 42. Priyanka Chopra. The only reason I included her was I tried to watch Quantico a couple of times. It wasn't really for me, but she married Nick Jonas. I didn't know that she won the year 2000 Miss World pageant. I didn't know that she is one of the highest paid actresses in Bollywood. 
I didn't know that she in the movie fashion in, you know what? There's a storm brewing outside my window. The trees are going sideways. We've had rain, torrential rain every day for three days in a row. And Alexa said, no rain, no thunderstorms today. Send us some, please. Send she, us some. She, she lied. She lied. There's so much water here that in my front garden, I have mushrooms growing of every shape and size, a hundred mushrooms underneath the trees. That's We're rationing much- here. That well, I gotta tell you. We, oh, and now the wind stopped. Anyway, sorry to do that. So Priyanka Chopra, and she was had a role in the 2008 fi- film Fashion. She got the Best Actress Filmfare Award and the National Film Award. I had no idea she was that popular. We have some social media stars and rappers who were born today. I've never heard of them, but I like to include them. Somebody called Shark Blocks, S H A R K B L O X. Anybody know that person? YouTube star, 22, happy birthday. We have a 94-year-old on Instagram. She must be somebody's mom and grandma called Bad Winky. Winkle, Bad Winkle, Baddie Winkle, Baddie Winkle. Sorry, happy birthday. We have a rapper named 2K Baby, 2K Baby, 22 years old. We have a YouTuber named Lost and Unbound. Okay. We have a rapper named M. IA, 47 years old. We have a rapper named Lil Bibby, was 22 today, 28. We have Dr. Sango on TikTok, who's 22. And we have Donald Duck, spelled D-U-C-C. Donald D-U-C-C is 19 years old. That's a TikTok star. I like Wasn't he make- president? Ah, we don't do politics on the show. We'll talk another time. Politics, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. You're, you're getting awful close there, kid. Joe sure. Namath, on this day in sports, Joe Namath in 1969 agreed to sell his interest in the bar called Bachelors 3 in order to stay in the NFL. <laughs> wow. You're kidding, Bob. I'm you not have, kidding you. You have a Joe Namath. What is that? A, a card? A collector's yeah, card? It, that's a 1970 Topps card. We, uh, we didn't I, rehearse this. I buy and this. sell baseball cards and football cards, by the way. We didn't rehearse this. I didn't tell no, him I was going to talk about Joe Namath. <laughs> and today in 1970, Willie Mays became the 10th baseball player to get 3,000 hits. Today is Global Hug Your Kid Day. Allison, that's for you, third Monday in July. It's National Caviar Day. That's out of my, there we go, Willie Mays. Yes, thank you. National Get Out of the Doghouse Day. That's if you do something wrong and somebody puts that's metaphorical. Nobody it's guessed sa- you were a New Yorker, right? Nobody, nobody. <laughs> National Sour Candy Day. It's Perfect Family Day and it's World Listening Day. This week of the holidays are Air Conditioning Appreciation Days. London is very jealous, I guarantee you. It's Everybody Deserves a Massage Week. I had to give up oh, my yeah. massages too far away. It's International Lace Week. Okay, if that's your taste. It's Triathlon Week. It's Zookeeper Week. It's Rabbit Week, and it's Independent Retailers Week. So forget about the big box stores. Buy from somebody small and interesting. Okay, we have time. Whoa, it's getting all white outside. The sky is, she promised me there was no rain today. Isn't that strange? Okay, let's do a couple of quotes about creativity that you sent me. I'm going to read one from each of you, and you're just going to take take two minutes to explain it because we have about nine minutes left. So let's see. Allison, you say... Statement number four, don't set a goal, make a promise. What, is this, what does this tell us about your creativity? Allison, go ahead. Yes. So, you know, so I am my own boss, right? Uh, every day I report to my desk and I report to myself because I don't have a manager to give me tasks to work on. And I have to report to myself and I have to, I am also my own accountability partner and I don't want to set goals to say, okay, so this week, my goal is to finish writing 2000 words. That won't work for me because 
the difference between a goal and a promise is that a promise is for you to keep. And the goal is for reference. If you did not reach the goal, uh, it's just a goal. It doesn't matter. But if you break your own promise, what kind of character are you? You know what I'm saying? So I don't set goals. I keep, I make promises to myself. And if I can keep my own promise, then I can keep the promises that I make to other people. So in a way, I'm fulfilling two things. I get stuff done to report to myself. And I also learn to be a responsible individual to my friends and to other people around me. So don't set goals, make promises. I like that. And that that goes to what New Year's Eve, when everybody makes resolutions that we're famous for not keeping. Interesting. I, there's some storm going on. You wouldn't believe what it looks at. There's a hailstorm. There's a rainstorm. It's thundering. The trees are sideways. I, my office is in the front of the house. This is crazy wild. And I asked five times, is it going to rain today? And she said, no. Alexa lied. Okay. I'm probably going to get an alert from the National Weather Service any minute now. Aerial flooding alert. We get it every day here. I'm in Durham. Bob, you can welcome my... I just cleared wow. my drum set out of the second bedroom. You can come stay if you want to see rain. No, not really. My boyfriend went We like really this. seriously are rationing here, by the way. I, I, well, I can send I'm you mushrooms. California, if you don't know. I can send you mushrooms and water, but not the kind you probably want. <laughs> yeah, psychedelics. Alice, no, no, I don't know what's in my garden, but it's not a magic garden as far as... It's just ugly. Allison, quick story. I just read that people are buying time on shared workspaces in virtual reality because they want to come. Carl's, I'm not kidding. They're wow. paying by the hour not to, to be able to say, hello, my name is Allison. I'm going to write 2,000 words today, and I want to be accountable for that. And then you work, and you can see everybody in the workspace, and then you get to say at the end of the day, did you keep your commitment? People are paying to do that because wow. they're their own boss, and they're not keeping their promises. So people are, yeah, somebody's making money right. off of that. Let's go, Charles. I want to make sure we have time here. Charles, ah, I love this. Creativity means not to conform. Yes. Charles, talk to me. What is this about? Um, I actually uh, heard it, you know, listened to a YouTube and it really stuck out in my mind. It is so easy to conform. And it kind of like boils down to what you said earlier, Ray, you know, or even as uh, Bob said, the story ends when you stop creating. I'm learning that. You know, I've been married. I'm divorced. I did college. Uh, I've traveled internationally. The more you create, create and keep adding to your story, it lives. But the minute I say I'm happy because I have a white picket fence, I have kids, I have the dog, I have the SUV, I have the timeshare. Hey, I'm successful or whatever in life. No, keep creating. Then it's easier to create. And I'll give you a short story. I know we're pressing on time. No, no, it's good. You have time. Go ahead. I used to be an athlete. And a lot of times in any sport, man or woman, you're competing for whatever spot you want. But me, I was like Dennis Rodman in high school. All I did was set, get rebounds, set screens, and I was a starter and on a winning team. I didn't compete with anyone. I looked at a chance. How can I create a way that I can get my slot? So instead of compete or conform, just create. And you can still win your race, your goal, your promise. But just create. And it's so easy to create. You just use your mind. 
I've never heard that one before. We're breaking some breaking some boundaries here on the sh- and Bob's got another card. Bob was Dennis Rodman. We've got our we've got our historian, our sports historian. Just keep dropping sports names. He's got the cards to <laughs> he got it that, all. that was something. Yes, don't conform, just create. I will tell you that creative people are not always appreciated, welcomed, or even liked. Sometimes there's too much creative energy you bring into a room and people say, nah, nah, they don't, they they don't conform. They don't sound like me. They don't look like me. They're too independent. They have too many ideas. I don't want them in my room. I don't want them in my club. Oh, I couldn't possibly be speaking from personal direct experience. Perish the thought. Let's move on before I get in trouble here, Bob, Bob Brill. Let's look at your statements here. Let me see. Um, 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 um. I like this one. Number two, Bob says, creativity to me is using all your senses to develop a story, to see it, to smell it, to feel what it is you are writing about. Bob, let's take that one. Go ahead. What does you know, it mean? I, I'm probably the most creative. I get my best ideas and most of my ideas while I'm driving down the road. I really, because I, I look at everything as a movie scene, I always, in, in whether I'm writing a book or whatever, I, I get into that. And I imagine it and what it feels like, uh, what it, what it smells like, the smells around, you know, if I'm driving down the road, the windows are open and I see something that, you know, a, a deer running down the road and it reminds me of something. I know what the smell is out there, you know, and it's not the smell of the deer, but the roadway and everything. But all those things combined help you and help me get into whatever I'm writing or whatever, whether it's a screenplay or whether it's a book or whether it's a short story or whatever I'm writing, because I immerse myself into it. And whatever I'm, I'm sitting here doing, I'm hearing, I'm looking, I'm smelling, you know, hopefully the smell's good. But if it isn't good, maybe it's something my wife is cooking in the next room, you know, and it's, it's Italian and I'm Italian-American, you know, and all of a sudden my, my juices start flowing in another direction. So that's, that's what I mean by that. Thank you very much. And, and let me relate something to you, Bob, on that topic. I studied improv in New York. I took improv class. I was, I was a student at Steve Rosenfeld's American Comedy Institute, by the way, and I debuted as a stand-up at Caroline's with 12 or 13 other newbies, and we had professional MC opening and closing. We called them the bookends. We had to have our relatives and friends pay to be in the audience at Caroline's. That's a famous comedy club on 54th Street in Manhattan, and it was a blast. It was just a I was absolutely glad. I got invited to do comedy shows around Manhattan after my debut. It was a three-minute routine. It was hysterical. I have no idea why I was telling you that story. Um, <laughs> but I took improv from Michael Gelman at Chicago Seconds, from Chicago uh, Second City and from some other people, and I still have no idea why I'm telling you this story. Bob, you were talking about, oh, we learned to develop improv characters. And one of my TV shows was called What's So Funny? Okay, And I invited my friends from my improv classes and my comedy class to come out from Manhattan, most of them live there, and come to Long Island to my TV studio and create three characters on my show. And I interviewed them as though they were real people. So it could be, this is Bob. He invented string in BC 400. Bob, what was it like to invent string? And he would come on, we have a dialogue, as though he really was the guy who invented string. We'd talk, and when it stopped being funny, I'd say, wave goodbye to the What's So Funny audience, and my engineer would fade down to black, and then he would go, or whoever she was, he shot, 
would now it's sunny out. Storm stopped. This is my weather here. It's like Florida. Anyway, so <laughs> window to the world. So then that person would come out. It's a second character, and I'd say, just give me one line. They would say, I'm I'm Mary. I'm a germaphobe. Welcome, Mary. What's it like riding the New York City subways as a germaphobe? Well, I have to wear gloves and I have booties on. I'm like Woody Allen. I don't want anything to touch my feet. I don't want anybody to shake my hand. And that would go on for a five or ten minute conversation. And when it's and then they would do so anyway. When we were taught to write improv characters, Bob, we were taught to create the full persona as though it was a real person. Where did they grow up? What was their life like as a baby? What did they eat for breakfast? What newspaper did they or did thunder stop? What did they or didn't read? Where, what movies did they like? What book, what kind of shoes did they wear? Where did they shop? What did they like to eat when they went out to dinner? What was a date with them like? So that's what I'm trying to say, Bob, is that whole, what does it smell like? What does it look like? Yes, Who was this yes. person? Right? And we had to create, in order to do the improv character, we had to create that person as though it was a real person. What, Charles, where do you go? What do you like to eat? What yes. kind of shoes do you wear? So that was one of the, the skills in creating an improv character was to know everything. So Bob, when you said smells, that's what it yes, reminded yes. me of. What kind of perfume? What kind of aftershave? What kind of hairspray? I'm I'm off on a tangent here. We've got two minutes left. Quickly, let's get a website for each of you where people can find you. Because one minute left. I got to hurry and speed dog here. Charles, you're right in front of me. What website should people go to? Reduce College Debt? Is that uh, it, .com? No, that's just my Facebook and Instagram is Reduce College Debt. And if you want to hit my website up, Chadwick's, C-H-A-D-W-I-C-K-S, experience with the S dot com. Wonderful. Great. Allison, where can people find you, dear? Just my name, AllisonHongMerrill.com. A-L-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-N-G-M-E-R-R-I-L-L.com. Bob Brill, where can people find you? Uh, if you Google me, I come up usually 17 of the top 20. I'm not Bob Brill, the uh, bodybuilder, and I'm not Bob Brill, uh, the uh, AP. Uh, um, hurry, hurry, hurry. I'm out of time. Where where can they well, find you? BobBrill.com, BobBrillBooks.com. Perfect. BobBrillBooks.com, B-R-I-L-L, Brill. Okay, here's my closing. Aaron's telling me i got to hurry. 30 seconds. Life is short. Break the rules, right, Charles? Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. It's the only way to kiss, trust me. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Everybody laugh with me uncontrollably. (laughs) Good. Never regret anything that made you smile, even me. And here's the closing. Work like you don't need the money because even if you do, nobody else really cares. Just get the job done and do it well. Dance like no one's watching. When I was teaching dancing, everybody was watched sing like nobody's listening i tried not to sing you made me sing today bob and love like you've never been hurt because we all have get over it let your heart open up and learn to love again and love yourself money talks chocolate sings and i stole this line from someone thank you for turning me on don't go away guess i want to take some pictures thanks again for tuning in to read my lips radio presented by the voice america variety channel Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.